BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. What is up, my fellow Alex Ross on the SDR show this week? Uh, no, you're not seeing double. It is the Sklar brothers coming on the show. Super cool guys. Very happy that we got them on. If you're a fan, you could have heard them five days ago, commercial free at gasdigitalnetwork.com. Use the code SDR. You get 20% off and a seven-day free trial. We do the show every Wednesday, every Saturday, and uh, we hope you do just listen and spread the word. That's the most important thing. But here it is right now, the Sklar Brothers episode of the SDR Show. This is the intro to the shit show. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. This is the hit show. Show me a tit show. Please, someone fuck the host. It's weed, I'm beat. It's hookers and blow. It's art, it's art. You need to know. It is the SDR Show, Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll Show. I am Ralph Sutton. Back with me once again, James Mattern. With yeah, apparently a hat on because he doesn't like being bald. Is that what it is, James? No, but I feel comfortable. I like okay. wearing hats. It's a good. Right. I mean, I take it off all the time. I'm still one of these people at when I eat supper and that, I take a hat off and show everyone my bald cranium. Uh, mm-hmm. At least you're not wearing a hat at the dinner table. I feel like it's insulting. All right, so let's, a lot of people let's still jump do. Let's right into our guests. Uh, they, they, most people might know them from that show that now just has a new life in a different form, but we'll start. It was Cheap Seats. They're uh, Better Call Saul. Six comedy albums, two Comedy Central half-hour specials, Netflix special, two podcasts right now, the Dumb People Town podcast and The View from the Cheap Seats, along with their new UFC Five Pass show called The Nosebleeds, currently on tour. It is the Sklar Brothers. How are you guys? We are oh, good. Great. Thanks, Ralph. I appreciate it. And, and James, do not take that hat off. We we don't need to see that. <laughs> and that don't ever so use to... the word supper again. What are you, 80? I am 80. I'm, I'm older than you guys. Uh, by the way, let me supper. start with this. This is where it's some similarities. I almost met you guys in Montreal. I was with Shannon. Uh, my nice. other co-host, uh, Big J, was out there doing some comedy. And we went out there to support... And uh, you did, cool. I think you guys did the bonfire. Am I right? Yes, Is that we what did. happened? Yeah. Yes, we I did. I was there. Yeah. We watched from a distance. But here's Aww. here's where it's interesting. I am also a twin. Okay. Are you really? Oh, nice. wow. Also with an R and a J, even though Randy is really, I think your real name is Pharrell or something. It's Pharrell, not really but right. I go by Randy. Randall's in my middle name. Yeah. Okay. But... So you're an R and a J. We are Ralph and Joe, right? Yeah. Uh, we Ooh. are four minutes apart. We were, how, how many minutes apart are you guys? Five. 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 Okay. But here's Ralph. where we're, we're, we're fraternal. You guys are identical, but here's where we're cooler. Uh, we were born in different decades. I was born New Year's Eve, 1969. He was born January 1st, 1970, four minutes apart. You guys oh are not God. that far away. You guys are born in second week of January. So yeah. even though I think I'm a year or two older than you, so it's a lot of kismet and we're all Jews. We're all Look Jews. That. I love that your parents are like, we want to name our kids so they'll grow up to be plumbers. Ralph <laughs> and Joe. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we need we need to get this toilet snake. Who are you going to ask to do it? Ralph we'll or do Joe? It. Ralph or <laughs> Joe will do it. He'll just and, get and over he, here and do it. Here's how different my brother is than you guys. Yeah. I thought, here's a fun idea. I'll bring my twin brother on mm-hmm. and we'll see which twin knows their twin brother better. Right? He and doesn't know you. At, he doesn't know you at all. Not only that, he didn't want to do it. He said, I'm he not interested. Number he one. Care. He doesn't wow. care. And wow. then he said to me, oh, this, I asked him on Monday, we're, we're taping this on a Thursday, and yeah. he goes, you know, I don't feel so great, so I don't want to do it. I'm like, Joey, it's fucking Monday. Yeah, You got you four days to feel better. You can't say I don't feel so great. Now. Like, I don't feel so great works the morning of, right? right. I don't feel yeah. so great the morning of. Night before is like, hey, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make that. That's the night before. I'll take an I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. I don't feel so great is the morning of excuse. It's yeah. crazy. And then, by the way, he said, you know what? Let's we'll do it next time. I said, next time I interview identical twin comedians, is that when you want yeah. me to do it? How <laughs> yeah. often is that going to happen? It's never going to happen. This Lucas brothers, get him in here. Get yeah. him in. Get him in. Get him in. Oh. And so my brother and I, we and I'm curious how this trajectory for you guys is. Yeah. We live together most of our lives, right? Yeah. We we separated when we realized we were basically 
common law married to each other. It was time to move on. <laughs> right. right. And when I Google you guys, the first thing that comes out, so I imagine it's somewhat similar, is are the Sklar brothers conjoined twins uh -huh. is the first Google thing. So just out of curiosity, I know you're, both, you're both married. You both have kids now. So yeah. I imagine it's not as bad now. But no. what was that growing up with you guys where it compares to my brother and I? So I think they said where we can join twins because we played conjoined twins like several times, like enough that like if a conjoined twin thing comes up, we're like, I, I don't think we should do it. Like we should not do it anymore. Like we did it for Grey's Anatomy. It was huge. And, uh, you know, we were both in love with the same woman and then we got separated and we decided we just want to hang out with each other and not be with this woman. And then our dad, when he was alive, God rest his soul, he had the best comment ever. He was like, you guys should call Shonda Rhimes. I'm like, OK, we'll do that. Good call, dad. Call Shonda Rhimes and tell her that you want to come back on the show next week and get sewn back up together. I was like, that is the dumbest idea ever. And then, and I'm then like, we were like, wait a second. That is the most Grey's Anatomy storyline <laughs> ever. I'm like, dad, are you, you have a pipeline to Shonda Rhimes? Uh, so we did that and we did. We were the conjoined twins on the Oblongs we, and, and in a movie in Bubble Boy. So, yes, I'm, I think that's why they said it. We spent a lot of time together, but I don't know if you guys did this growing up in, I'm assuming, uh, I want to. It was somewhere in New York. I said Jersey initially. Oh, and my God. You're like, you're lucky, yeah, yeah, Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. Last in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. I don't know if you guys in Brooklyn, if you each had your own separate rooms growing up or you were in the same room. We were in the same room up until we were about 12. And then yeah. my brother petitioned to get the room next door that was kind of empty. And he moved into that room. I, you, those, you are the, need, those are prime masturbating years. I understand yeah, why he made that choice. You need your own spot to <laughs> jerk it. So... We grew up in separate rooms from a very early age. We grew up in the Midwest in St. Louis where there were rooms that you could grow up in. And it's not like we had money. We just had rooms. And so the thing about that is that it allowed us to sort of develop individually separate from each other. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I think that's why we can kind of hang out today. And, and the same thing has kind of repeated itself with our families. You know, I've got two teenage kids, 15 and 17 years old. Jay's got a 14 year old and a nine year old. And so like our lives are set we're, in our lives. We aren't the Sklar brothers. You know, I'm just mm -hmm. the dad who fucked everything up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like the dad who didn't screw the water bottle top closed. So then I get a text from my son saying, thanks a lot. My entire bag is wet because you didn't. And I'm like, oh, good. This is a great opportunity for you to start doing this now forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. How, how quickly did you guys did you live together when you moved out? Like did yes. you so you we live so we so we went to the University of Michigan together. We both roommates. wanted to we were roommates freshman year and then like we separated and lived with other folks and mm -hmm. you know lived in a fraternity house and you know, I mean lived in similar we lived in the same house, mm -hmm. but we had similar friends and, but we very, you know, the great thing about going to Michigan was it's such a big school. I had all my classes and Jay would have all his, and there'd be whole swaths of the school that didn't realize we were twins. And they'd see someone walking down the street and be nice to them. And Jay right. would be like, what do you, who is this person? Is Which this? I love that Jay had no clue that that's what was going on. Like, I knew that's what was going on, who but is this I was person? always and Jay's like, like <laughs> baffled by it. But I'm like, how nice are you to so many people? Like just I was nice to down. a lot. Right. I was nice to a lot of people. Anyway, the point is that like they didn't know that we were twins so it's good it allowed us to be individuals mm -hmm. and then allowed us to appreciate the fact we were twins we were doing comedy in college and so we moved to new york together lived in manhattan from 94 to 99 and then moved out to la together and then my then girlfriend now my wife like came out and we lived together in like 99 or 2000 so you, you know up, nice people just coming up to you and saying hi remind me of that movie i don't know if you ever saw it uh is it called identical strangers where saw they found crazy crazy, crazy. i was yeah, like that... hey here are three fucked up guys let's put them in a restaurant setting that's a great idea <laughs> if you've ever watched the <laughs> okay, show yeah, the... let's add cocaine to the mix yeah um, weird <laughs> here are people <laughs> who don't really understand each other let's add a very uh volatile drug and throw that in the middle of this uh weird relationship let me ask you this uh in the uh i looked a little bit at so i can't give a hundred percent answer i know that coming up there's a couple of things that Jason is doing that Randy is not, but in know, general, uh, is it mostly the same credits? Like, are there a lot of things you guys have ever done sans each other or we've is it 99% few. together? Oh, we've done a few. Jay did a couple. Jay, you did Curb. I did Curb Enthusiasm. 
I got to do that, which Phenomenal. was really fun. And so he did some, a pilot. He was the lead in a pilot for uh, True TV, which was really fun and really that was of, really cool and super fun and and interesting. And that was great. And then Randy did. Uh, what we was just that? did what we do in the shadows this right, past. You played like wasn't it like he did like a spoof on the Property Brothers kind of. Yeah. Right? So basically, I don't know if you've been watching the show. It's a phenomenal show. They shoot it up in Toronto. Probably one of my favorite comedies on TV. That's always like the you you get the job and then you're like, oh no, I, we don't want to fuck up one of our favorite shows. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's like yeah, you, yeah. Get, you get nervous because it's like I don't want to now screw this up. But it was a great part and a great idea where in this fourth season, they're like their house goes into disrepair, and so all throughout the season they start teasing us on TV, like our show, this fictitious show called Go Flip Yourself, and then in the seventh episode of this eight episode season in the fourth season, we come and go to flip the the house and they shoot it exact. So it's, you know, if you have seen the show, it's shot like very dark. There's like all the lighting is dark. Everything's dark. And then they shot this episode. Like it's an HGTV episode, <laughs> super bright, lower so third fun. graphics. It was just brilliantly done. Teasing um, other fake shows. It was really, really funny. They did a great, they job. did a produced show open for our show. So instead of the, what we do in the shadows, like produced open, they showed the go flip mm-hmm. yourself, fictitious show open. So we got to shoot that. It was just amazing. But like, I don't want to get, give anything away but i'm in the majority of the episode and jay is not so i got to work an extra several weeks on this show and it's just me and you know matt barry and mm-hmm. natasha dimitrio and Kayvon and and harvey i love and matt barry great. so much he's one matt of my Barry's favorite so good. oh my god he's so fucking funny brilliant and fun and what was so great is that like over time and hanging out we we, we really got to know each other and had a great time and and he just started to trust everything that we were doing. And so what I loved is that the thing that we were trying to procure the relationship that, that needed to be like, he allowed it to go so much further Mm -hmm. on screen because we sort of, we took what we were doing off screen, like kind of on screen and it just was great. And he was very, very sort of open as far as that went. And I think it made the whole thing a lot better. It was great. I have a memory that there's that great thing that he did. I forget what show it was on where he, was like this asshole that as soon as he found that a girl had a, a boyfriend, he would like drop the glass. Snuffbox. Yeah, Snuff so box. fucking great. And I was, long story as short as possible, I saw a girl get hit by a a, a car on oh, a no. bike, right? And I went to help her, and she happened to be like this fucking gorgeous girl. But sure. regardless, I, I was like, I actually noticed her coming towards me, like, well, look how hot that girl is. And then mm-hmm. a second later, she got hit by a car, right? Oh, my God. And Because he was looking her. at her. Yeah, <laughs> I helped pick her up and bring and bringing her because she was bleeding. I was carrying her to oh the ambulance wow. while she said, um, I have to call my boyfriend and see if she's oh, to let him know what happened. And, I, and you dropped so, her. I so wanted to Matthew <laughs> just, bury it. Yeah, just drop her. I'm glad you Fuck off. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't do that. I'm glad was, you didn't. Do I was so close to doing it. But no, oh, my God, it's it's a great bit. It's a <laughs> phenomenal bit. bit. I yeah. almost wanted to do it for the bit, but I didn't do it. Yes. Um, yeah. So, 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 I, so there is, so to answer, that's a long winded yeah. way of saying, yes, we've done a lot of stuff on our own. And our attitude is like, we need to be good on our own right. so that when we do come together and do stuff together, it is like a special thing. But at the same time, if I'm in a whole bunch of this thing just by myself, it can't just be like what I do with Jason and that's it. It has right. to be like good on its own in order for us to work. By the way, my my dad, when I was growing up again, he's you know he was a lot older. He passed away as well. Um, he had two identical twin friends, and this mm-hmm. is the '70s before you would get uh, canceled on this. And yeah. they would literally one would bring a girl home, have no. sex with her, go no. in the bathroom, and they would swap out, which that's is wild, terrible, and that is terrible. It's uh, as a father of daughters, that's freaking awful. It is wild. It is wild. You can't. You would never get away with that now. But it is wild. And in the you 70s, shouldn't have been able to shouldn't. get away with it. No, you then. shouldn't. But I'm just saying, like in the 70s, it was like a bragging topic. But I know. Nowadays, it's like Jesus Christ. How could you do that? You basically rape the woman. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. I hope yeah. something jo- like in movies and TV, like a joke. Hey, let's let's do the old flipper. Benny and Bernie get like a beta. Big I can like say it now. Stuff. They're both not with us anymore. But that's who Benny and Ber- they were definitely not beta males. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this about it. it's like then in you start watching old movies. We were talking about this on stage, like like a movies in the '80s with your kids, and it's like you forget about like all the stuff that was just not. 
you're like you're watching and you're just like oh they're gonna love this movie and then all of a sudden you're like oh shit there was a rape in 16 candles oh my god oh god he just said you be her you're me and i'm it oh great and we just sort of glossed over that whole thing it's like we were talking about the karate kid like if a cop came over the night that 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 Daniel LaRusso spent his 16th birthday with just a guy who's the building manager of your apartment building that you just moved into. Okay. That's not weird at all. And he's an older man who's a single man. And he's just, and the cop came in and said, what are you doing? And he's like, Oh, it's just um, getting drunk on sake with this 16 year old boy right here. <laughs> that, uh, what? And I gifted him a silk robe that no, I asked stop, him to wear. Stop, stop. Some, sometimes I, we go on a boat and I let him punch me in the stomach. It's like, I hey, had him wear <laughs> short shorts while I allow him to wash all of my cars while I sort of leered him through a bonsai tree that I'm clipping. I mean, right. it's crazy. It doesn't, it doesn't fly. But by the way, that leads me into something that I heard you guys talk about in depth. Uh, I always say on the show, I try to do a lot of research and James can rely on just being funny. Um, yeah. But um, <laughs> you talked in one episode, and it was maybe two years ago, a lot about cancel culture. And the thing I don't agree with, and I want to get your take on it just because you said sure. this, that you think there should be a different set of rules for comedians because they're just trying to make jokes on topics that are sensitive to try and find the funny. And it should be a different set of rules for comedians when it comes to sensitive topics. Yes, and totally. I don't agree with that because there is no school of comedy Anybody can say they're a comic. It is a weird way to set that criteria. I think it should be more as long as it's not coming from a fucked up place or an asshole place, you should get a pass is what I think. Let that me, is let me, a good point. That's a fair point. I, I think w- we could maybe refine our point a little bit more, which is to say in a comedy club setting where you're at a show where the social contract of that show is that people are going to push the limits. That's what this show is about. If you don't like that, then you can leave. Like no one's forcing you to do this. Whereas if you're watching an NFL game, or if you're watching the nightly news, or if you're watching something where there is no expectation that people are going to push the envelope and go for something like that, or say something that will be shocking and, and upsetting to some people, then that's a different set of rules. So I think what we were trying to get at, which we maybe weren't so clear as, and I can clarify is that I think comedians in comedy club settings should have the, in my opinion, not necessarily a pass to like just essentially be raised. No, you have to be you have to be responsible and you have to craft it. And by the way, if it comes off sounding like hate, you're a bad comedian. You screwed right. it up and you and you you didn't actually write a joke. You just made a hateful statement or this yeah. or that. And and if that's the case, like Michael Richards dropping an end bomb at the Laugh Factory, you can't do that. There's right. there. That's the beauty is that there are lines like we're not saying it's all one way or the other, like. Michael, Michael Richards, you, whatever you were doing there, even if you thought that that was a joke, you can't cross that line. You just can't. But for people who are making points and statements and whatnot to push the envelope in a comedy club setting. You might disagree with what Dave Chappelle is saying about trans people, trans culture and whatnot, but he's crafting an opinion and a joke. His goal is to make people laugh and his goal is to make point. Now, some people might be like, well, he's, people are following that and they're now there's a gray area and yes, they may have points that like his attitude may support other people perpetrating violence against people mm-hmm. out of the notion that they're like, well, I believe what he believes and da da da. So like, yeah, it, there is power in, in comedians words. And certainly the bigger the comedian and the more influential they get, then there's more on their shoulders. That's a fact. But right. you know, if you go to the roast battle up in the comedy store on a Tuesday night at midnight and you see two people going at each other, you know that it's going to get, you know, the gloves will be right. off. People will I mean, go and for it's, everything. And it's, and it's a beautiful thing. It's so funny how how fun and freeing the roast battle is in this society that you right. just I described. Agree. We have a new show on our network called uh, Spit Roast where two comedians roast a topic as opposed to roasting each other. That's and I brought a girl that I was dating there mm-hmm. and she felt it was also like toxic. Cause she's a little, uh, very politically correct. And was like, Oh, it's so much hate. I'm like, no, everyone is here. Cause they want to be here and they're all enjoying this. They know what this is about. And right. then she kind of loosened up James, you're a Holocaust denier. What's your thought on this topic? Yeah. Let's hear it, James. 
Well, that was a good Larry King toss right there. Yeah. That's a Jay, good. Jay, well, just, you're a Holocaust denier. That's more, like, hear it. that's more like early 90s crossfire. That's more <laughs> right. Johnson Nunu thrown to someone. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Exactly. Sure. Um, it's weird. I uh, I hadn't done it in a while. I used to like, I loved Rose Battle so much in New York. I used to be the odds maker. And I would be like, this guy minus 350. And I'll be honest, didn't know half the comics. Sure. A lot of are like young. Just on look alone, on look alone. <laughs> I honestly would look at their Instagram feed and be like, this one's way too confident. I can tell their skill level isn't up to Great. the confidence. Yeah. Plus 350. He's going to get his ass beat by this girl who looks really quiet, which means she right. has a lot of hate in her heart. That's um, right. <laughs> so I just I judged uh, Comedy Fight Club a couple of weeks ago. And I was I felt embarrassed for myself in the fact that I was shocked. And I, I don't give a shit about nothing. These kids were so wild. And I haven't heard oh, words I mean, like that. Oh, they were so brutal? Yeah, they were still oh. good, but it's still like a lot of green comics. And I yeah. felt like an old man. I'm not mad at them, but I hated myself because I'm like, I, I felt like a 90-year-old Southern like grandma from like and 83. It was shocking. It was like, shocking oh, what they were saying. Excuse oh, my me. goodness gracious. Like yeah, that, like drinking sweet tea and trying to tell sure. you about the good old days. And I'm just... And they're just freely. My one issue is this: is I think that we sometimes hide behind we can say anything, and so people without skill, like you guys said, with hate, we yeah, have to right. be careful that some people think they can just use a word to be edgy, and they don't right. know how they're using it, and they get mad at you for getting mad at it, but you're using a chemical that you can't control, and That's you right. can't tell someone that you can't use the N word or the gay F word, or you can't right. use. Those you, if you're gonna use it, you better land the plane. And when you're you like, better land that plane. In, even oh, I in like your own little, you that, the gay like, F word. I've never heard it put that way. I like that. We no, like well, that. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I agree do? with you. I so I'll I'll give an example of a joke that in a there was there's a really funny roast comic out here in L.A. at Roast Battle. His name's Joe. What's his last name, Rand? He's I in don't a wheelchair. He's in a wheelchair, and he's like like very, like it's hard to understand him. Speaking. Can I just say for a half second, I really thought his name was Joe. What's his something? Joe, like, what's what his kind name? Of, Joe, yeah, what kind of fucking name is that? He's, but, uh, he's yeah, he's Japanese, and um, <laughs> no, no, he's, he's and he's he's like you know his body is gnarled. He you I can hardly understand what he's saying, but he is a killer joke writer, and he like dominates in roast battle because of his jokes, not because, but someone else in a roast battle against him said do you know how i know you're going to hell joe and he said how and he said because there's a stairway to heaven now the place went crazy that's amazing a killer joke and then joe <laughs> came back and won so he took the joke and then he came back and won the battle that joke was great but overall he won the battle and then he was lifted up around the crowd and celebrated and like taken out of his chair and lifted up now oh, wow. lifted up. Cool. now Randy and I as parents of kids and we are we have we know people who have kids have disabilities and you know as long as you live in this life you get to know people who are all de everyone's dealing with something with their children or their life and for the the thing that those parents want the most for their children is to just be treated sort of equal in the or just in some ways just be put on the same playing field because so often there's like this feeling of like well we got to support them and that is in its own way patronizing and makes them feel worse so for right. this kids parents wherever they are to just know that this guy took a punch to the face in the form of a joke and then came back and won and was paraded around the room as a champion. That to me is like the best thing in the world. And you lose that. If we say, you're not allowed to say this, you're not allowed to right, say that right. you're not allowed to do that. He loses that victory. Right. Yeah, James, what were you going to say, James? Well, well, if I'm not mistaken, if this is what I'm thinking of um, at the, the JFL before the pandemic, they did the basketball game and I was announcing, I'm pretty sure he played basketball in, in, his, in his, 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 his Zoom Zoom. I mean, uh, if I'm the referee, I'm calling traveling every time every he's time. on the court. <laughs> every watch time. people try to defend him was better than a I would knock him out of his special. chair. Right. I would hilarious. knock him out of his chair. I mean, just put like, a, like pebbles on the floor and he won't be able to move. Oh, I would do a box and four wheels, a box and one, <laughs> box, box and one. one. He, he, uh, so in, and the same thing is he lost a roast battle. He lost one, and I actually thought that was probably even better than the win. And for the same reasons that Jay said, is like he got his ass beat, and it's like you're gonna win some and you're gonna lose some, and it's like no one 
treated him any differently. He was like, and so in that way, it's maybe the most egalitarian scenario ever where you can say whatever you want. You can't get mad. And again, if it comes off like hate, like there was this dude who had been to like prison and he was like a really hard sort of guy who came up there and he was up against a really good joke writing, like 20 year old woman. And she Carved he just his kept, ass. He just kept trying to call her like a lesbian, lesbian and this, lesbian that. And you're like, ass, dude, like this, you can't bring that into this room. It's like I know you're hard in several other circles and whatnot, but you just got your ass handed to you in the most. <laughs> there's like, if you were to put the two of them together, be like, no, man, this woman is gonna get smoked, and she just destroyed him like with surgical precision. Awesome. And you say to yourself, all right, this is great, and and. It's just fun to laugh at it. And we've taken friends of ours who aren't in the comedy scene, who've like come from like, we have a good friend in uh, who's a lawyer in, uh, in, in Detroit. And he's like, he just, we brought him to the roast battle one night and he was like, I can't believe again. Cause you live in this world where you're not allowed to say a lot of these things. He's All like, right. I can't believe this exists. Everyone's having fun. It's cool. The social contract that we were talking about exists in there. And by the way, if, you, if you're not funny, you don't know how to handle the language. You don't know how to do it. You get you. You realize that when no one laughs. Right. That, that's what's nice about it also, that it is a, a grand equalizer. Funny is funny for the most part. All right. Before we go any further, it's a simple phrase. You've heard it a million times on this podcast. It's $60 kilos. That's right. That unattainable number that no one in the world of Kratom, was able to accomplish. Well, that is until Yo Kratom came along. And for years, entrepreneurs, scientists, academics, they all tried to solve that $60 kilo problem. And it never was figured out until Yo Kratom came along. And through their sheer brilliance, you can get a kilo of Kratom for just 60 bucks. How did they solve that problem? Does it even matter? Not really. Just go to YoKratom.com and know that you could stock up on high-quality curated Kratom at yokranum.com, 60 bucks a kilo. They've been a sponsor for three long years plus. So support the sponsors that support the show, yokranum.com, home of the $60 kilo. All right, let's get back into it. Uh, I want to talk about the new show on UFC yeah. High Pass. Uh, you started doing the show years ago called Cheap Seats. I forget how many years it was on, but it was on quite a while. That's how a lot of people recognize yeah. the two of you. And now this one, I guess you modernized it called The Nosebleeds because uh, you're mm-hmm. doing UFC. Yeah, And you're, the one I saw was the first uh, episode where you look back on literally the first UFC, UFC one, fight, yeah. which is oh. crazy to watch because also you watch it. And I don't know why I'm sure you felt this way as well. It seems like it's from a thousand years ago, a thousand years ago. Right? That's it's a hard great, to believe. great observation. That's how we pitched it. We're like, look at where UFC has come today. So basically the executive and I'll give him his props because he is best executive we've ever worked with. And we've been in this business for 30 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's the best executive we've, and we've worked with many. This is the best by far. His name's Crowley Sullivan, even though we went to the university of Michigan and he went to Michigan state university and he's the biggest Spartan fan and we're the biggest uh, Michigan Wolverine fan and ne'er the twain shall ever meet. I love, of this guy like a brother. He's unbelievable. He's funny. He knows when to give the artist the rope and he is so supportive and amazing. He had bounced around. He was the executive in charge of cheap seats back in uh, from 2002 to 2006. And we then that four continued. seasons. We did 77 episodes. And for those that don't know, you're watching old, at that one time, old uh, like ESPN sporting events stuff. and you kind of mystery science theater 3000 it where you, I'm assuming you watch through a couple times, you make some jokes. I could be wrong. Write down some ideas. And then you re- you watch that show and comment on it as it's happening. Correct? So it was much more preparation went into it than that. Like we'd watch it several times. We sent it out to writers who wrote jokes oh, wow. and then we would ingest those and sort of pick the best ones. It was very mathematical. We'd be mm-hmm. like, this is a great joke for this thing right here. But if we say this, we can't make this run of jokes down here. So we got to cut that one and do these. And so it is very, the trick is, is that we made it seem like it was just us riffing and hanging on the couch you're hanging out with us but it was very much that we sort of ingested some of these great jokes that were written for us and that we wrote ourselves and so and we did sketches and you know running studio bits and whatnot we're like we Mm -hmm. want to make a comedy show that people like in the same way that they like Chappelle show in the same way that they like 30 rock in the same way that they like the daily show or conan or whatever like right 
we want people to see this as a show that stands with those, not with Sports Center and you know everything like that. And I think we did achieve that. So when this guy bounced around, he he finally went to the UFC and he was running Fight Pass, which is their library of all their stuff. And he came to us last year and said, I want to figure out a way to redo cheap seats. Can we do it? And we said, okay, let's think about this. And we're like, look, the old UFC, like you said, feels like it's from a thousand years ago. Different though it's 1993. Right. And also they they used to just put anybody in the ring with anybody. Oh yeah. Like sumo wrestler and a jiu-jitsu It was almost like a chance to see which fighting discipline could defeat another fighting discipline. That was what the beginning, it was almost like a social fighting experiment in some way. Right. And Jim Brown, former Jim, Jim Brown, Brown. Has no business. It's insanity. We're like, Jim Brown, Jim Brown you, this is what we said on the show. Jim Brown, you've never uh, fought MMA and you're retired from football. What's your opinion? Yeah. <laughs> like, like Jim Brown, Jim Brown's there. What was, was OJ booked? Oh, I'm sorry. It was the mid nineties. He was in the process, in the process of, being of being booked. booked right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we, so again, we said to UFC, you know, it's, it's crazy to think of doing a comedy you know, in the UFC world, it's a people who are the fans of it are very protective of the brand. They very much care about like how it's being treated and whatnot. So we had to kind of come at it from a slightly different angle, which is this is what you used to be. Right. It's like look at an old yearbook picture of yourself. All right. You graduated in 88. Am I right? 87 Close or 88? 87, 87, 87. So you graduated in 87. Think about your yearbook picture in 87. I'm sure you had a mullet. It's you, awful. Right? Awful. So, but you know who you became now. You're a good-looking guy. You know who you are. You're an accomplished human being. You're fine. I mean, Joe's a little better looking, but, you know. Yeah, Joe is better looking. <laughs> but Joe is definitely better looking. There's no doubt. But I am, I'm 6'5". He's 5'7". So I have that. Dude, that's amazing. So that's why, but you, it's wild, but you, you know what I mean? Like, you know who you've become, you're confident in who you are right now. But if you look back at that picture, you can go off on it because you know where you've come. So we're like, it's a bit of a love letter to where you guys are now by making fun of what it used to be back in the day. And, you know, and they love that. And we, and then we said, okay, we're not going to make basically our version of cheap seats with zero restrictions. We can curse. We -hmm. can be as edgy as we want to be. We, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you just go hog wild, but you want to make fun of what is actually happening on the screen. No, there was like a thing where they were saying there's no rules. No, first of all, they said there's no rules. And then they start listing a bunch of rules. They're like, you can't do no this, no that rules. No biting. We're like, no biting. How's he going to come? You know, things like that. <laughs> so how's it going to get hard? So we, so we, those are jokes that we made that we could never have made on ESPN. So again, this is an evolution of that, that idea and that concept. But like we called John Hamm and he, on the sixth episode, he played, you know, this uh, personal injury lawyer who wanted to help fighters who've been injured at work. I mean, it's so dumb, like an opportunistic guy. And, you know, then the commercials kind of devolved into him and a thing with his ex-wife who was a paralegal at his firm. Marilyn Rice Cup played ham. So it like becomes this like Mr. Show sketch or something we approximate towards something like that. We were influenced by that show, you know, and we had Andy Richter played like UFC's like IT guy support. Tech, tech support. support. And we're like, Andy, what do you do? He played himself. We're like, what are you doing? He's like, well, you know, Conan hasn't paid me in the last 10 years. We're like, what? It's crazy. It's like, <laughs> he owes me $17,000. We're like, that sounds like not a lot of money, man. I feel like he owes you more than that. Are you but going he, through chronologically, by the way, or are you picking the ones you're doing? Bouncing around to a bunch okay. of different kind of things. So we did the first episode is UFC one. Then we did like three butterbean or we did two butterbean fights and a fight from ufc three which had a sumo guy against uh just a karate guy we called him a 600 pound ufc life then we (laughs) we did uh we did the ultimate fighter episode one where chris lieben peed on the other guy's bed and that was the first that was like 18 years ago um and then we did uh there was a weird thing they did during covid times the alaskan fighting championships up oh it was up like in, in alaska a back, it was like in a backyard somewhere we're like this is the weirdest thing we've ever seen i i why is this happening the announcers were terrible they blew out their mics every time they were talking and we're like this is hilarious but it was a a, a product of covid where you're like remember in covid times like when espn there was no sports and espn did the horse competition between wmba players and nba players that was insane it It was was insane because you'd see like mike conley we're like what gym is mike conley in what high school gym oh no that's a gym in his house and then you see a WNBA player like 
playing at the, the apartment complex she lives in. And you're like, wow, there is a real <laughs> money disparity. <laughs> People. Uh, but so we did that. And then we did, I'm sure you remember Fry Takayama, that crazy punch thing that probably comes up on everyone's social media where there's no defense and that they just land like a thousand punches in a matter of like a minute and a half. We did that fight. And then there was another really crazy fight um, that we did that, that was in Hawaii where the fighter's sister came in and started punching the other guy after the fight. It was great. I, like Insane and fun. And great. we're like this, I think we can do this. You know what I mean? Like there's enough weird things in the UFC library. And for our fans, they're like, oh my God, it's just so great to see you guys making fun so of this did stuff. Did you wrap a season already and you're doing another one? Or are you in the middle of one right now? So we wrapped six episodes. The first ones you can see for free, which yeah, you saw through our about. yeah our Instagram in our bio and our Instagram. You can check it. It's UFC fight, UFC's YouTube page. But the other five are on Fight Pass. So if you're a Fight Pass subscriber, which I'm sure people, fans of your network, if you listen to Bisping, podcast i'm sure there are a lot of fight pass subscribers you can just watch all the episodes there so you know for the youtube one it's been seen like almost a million times that one mm -hmm. which is you know we know that's like to to have a comedy start from nothing in there it's we're really really happy with that but we have a lot of say in that now we don't have a lot of say as to who's who's the uh you know we don't have a lot of say as to who's gonna, gonna watch, watch it on fight pass right but, right, right. but apparently it did well on fight pass so we're That's like, cool. a, and there were like old grizzled UFC guys in the building. This is what we heard, you know, from like, you know, forest forest is like the best, but they were like old grizzled UFC guys who I'm sure were like, what are these guys? What, what are we doing here? What are we even doing here? And those guys like the show because they so, just, they love that you're just ripping on things. They just did you get green lit for a second season already, or you don't know yet. So we're waiting to find out. They're going to still figure out what their budget is for 2023. I think we're going to get to do one. I hope so. I'm going to put it out into the universe that we'll get to do one, maybe even two more. Um, but the, again, the general feeling there is they were really happy with it. So I think That's once cool. their sort of budgets come out, we'll probably get another season. So your other uh, podcast is called Dumb People Town, where you highlight idiotic, stupid stories that you find, I guess, online. I would like to hear when you when I say to you, what is like, the most shockingly stupid thing <laughs> that you covered. Is there one that comes to mind? There are a handful that come to mind. There's the guy who got pulled over by the cops and in his glove compartment, he had a dildo in his backseat. He had a rattlesnake and in his trunk, he had enriched uranium. We're like, this guy's got a lot of shit in his car. So then we played the game on the podcast. What doesn't he have um, a relationship with his biological father? Probably not. <laughs> nope. Custody of his uh, kids, custody right? Of his kids, probably not. Yeah, yeah. But not. a GED, definitely not. So, definitely. I mean, there's that. There was like the guy who tried to rob a house with his cat. That was hilarious. Meaning, like, meaning yeah, he, he was brought holding his, his cat. Okay. No, he brought his cat with him on this robbery. And it's like, dude, of all the animals, of all like, the animals you that you got to get, they're not going to come when you call. Like, if you uh, ever had a cat, like the, you know, the best cat in the world is like someone's like, he knows his name. He comes to you occasionally when you call him. I'm like, <laughs> so you're saying the best cat in the world is a mediocre dog. All right, fine, whatever. Are we sure it but, wasn't an ocelot? Maybe it could yeah, rough some people uh, up. Maybe. Uh, maybe if you make a bigger cat, like a big cat out on the road. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, um, like so, Salvador Dali had. They had a little viciousness to them. They threw right, possibly. The pa a puma. Um, no, that's I mean, there was a woman. There was a woman who got her head stuck in the tailpipe of a truck at a country music festival. Or as we like to, it's just a big tailpipe. But she, I don't know why she was like, let me see if I can get in there. And, um, and people yeah. say people at country music festivals are not small minded. I'm like, there's hey. the, there's the proof, bro. There it is. Is it a shockingly high amount of Florida stories or not really? Lots of Florida stories. So what Florida does, then Oregon kind of does this too, is they release their police blotters. So like, you know, we know kind of what's going on. And there's a lot of like the guy who, you know, had what we sort of started to do now which is kind of fun is like on reddit there's a lot of who's the asshole those are fun stories like mm -hmm. she, i my the, the woman who wasn't invited to she's pregnant and wasn't invited to her own baby shower because the husband just wanted to have it with just his boys like who's the asshole kind of like yeah. you read or the like, details, or, or we named our dog after my sister's 
child or they name their baby after our dog and then they get into a fight over. I mean, there's like the woman who who burned down her house because she was trying to kill a spider. I mean, there's so <laughs> many. <laughs> the woman who tried to marry a chandelier. I'm like, that's he, oh, that's pretty cool. He's he's not. Look, that you know where you. he's going to be all the time. You know, that's he's right. He's not going to cheat on you with and like it's a also sconce. easy to turn her on. You get hey, it. Everyone's with me. Come on. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I saw him kind of messing with a candle uh, the other night, but whatever. And he's, he's looking outside a little sideways glance. But the, those stories are really funny because you start to like it It literally breaks into a discussion of like, who are these people and who where are we right now? Because I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I feel like the world's getting dumber. Oh, yeah. And the only way to fight back is through comedy. So we usually have like a great guest on. I mean, I think recent episodes we've we got, uh, you know, Fortune Feimster and, and Tom Papa. And I mean, all of your favorite like comedy, Neil Brennan. Uh, best down try, and, have you been able yeah, to track I've, down any of the people and like get to the truth with that person or you haven't tried that? one person we got in touch with and we regretted it deeply because then oh, it's God. like, this guy's like sliding into your DMS every second. You're oh, like, yeah. it, it, we, this is not, it's like when someone speaks up in a comedy show and we're like, okay, we'll handle this. But like, we're not a comedy troupe. It's just me and Jay. <laughs> like yeah. we, we've got it. Like we don't need. So if, if you engage, you sort of poke the devil a little bit and, and, you know, see it sort of stir the poke, the, the beehive a little bit. And uh, there's no need to do that sometimes, but yes, it would be nice to like have an enormous yeah, poking the beehive. There was a woman who recently released bees at cops who were coming to her house to arrest her. So and she, she was, was like trying to defend herself by releasing the bees. Yeah, she yeah. she shook she shook a box that had them to make them mad and then release them. Yeah, wow. release the bees. It's like Mr. Burns, release the helms. That's yes. awesome. I want to ask a couple of rapid fire questions, and we got to do the first because that was a pretty quick forty five minutes already. Jesus. Sure, um, I love it. So, number one, one of you was a page on Letterman. Is that right? Me? Or am I wrong? Yeah. How long did you? How long were you there? So when I first came to New York in nineteen ninety four five, I think it was ninety five. I um. Yeah, got a job as a CBS page and I was a page. So I worked on that and politically incorrect and the CBS knew I would like work with the news and stuff. It was a fun job. And there were some really cool people. Paul Soder, who's from like the Broken Lizard, you know, like Super Troopers and that whole group. We had group. a couple of those guys on the show. They were just awesome. Amazing. And Paul's a great guy. He was a page at that time. Our buddy Eric Friedman, who's a great comedy writer. He was a page at that time. So it was a nice mix of like really smart kind of young people. It was a great beginning program to like mm -hmm. be a part with these people. And, you know, I loved it. And of course I'm sitting in there like the first day I'm seating audience at Letterman, I'm up top and they're like, you know, they're sound checking for the cranberries zombie. And now you're watching this and you're like, okay, this is amazing. That's and someday cool. we'll hopefully get it. We never got a chance to be on Letterman, but like still it's just, it was very inspiring. We watched these people go on the show and I was like, okay, all right, this is where we got to go. I have a picture. I got to sit in uh, Letterman's chair just because I was uh, lifelong friends with uh, Eddie Brill, who used nice. to do the warm up. Love Eddie Brill. Um, Love Eddie. And uh, he invited me down. I got to have a picture of me sitting in Letterman's chair, which is pretty, uh, pretty special picture to have. Um, is it's it amazing. still true that the only comedian you guys have ever written for is Kathy Griffin, or is that expanded at all? Uh, it's expanded. It just expanded. We were, first of all, we wrote for her her and she did this thing for the troops down in san diego and it was for vh1 was, for vh1 and it was twenty thousand people were writing jokes for her and like sketches for her to do with katie perry and like meanwhile Nikki, backstage like Nicki minaj was making katie perry cry and like ann wilson from heart was there and we're like what the f is going on this is <laughs> right. it was insane but we did have a great joke with her about um who is it uh, Bristol Palin, you call it, she called her like the white precious. That was really funny. <laughs> that was really good. And like the crowd was like, Oh, oh 20,000 so people like, Oh, and she didn't care. It was really fun to write for her, but we just wrote, uh, on a show, um, Kevin Hart and, and Keenan Thompson did this like end of the year show for, um, Peacock, there's sort of the year in mm -hmm. review and whatnot. And we wrote a bunch of jokes for them, which is fun. I mean, we normally write it for us, but our, our friend who produced, uh, our show, the nosebleeds was doing the show too. He's like, you, you want to come on and just write some stuff. And we're like, sure. So we wrote a bunch of stuff for them to do and jokes and stuff that they did. And it was 
a blast. It was fun to write in their voice. It was like a different skill altogether trying to write for someone else and be like, all right, this is something they would do. This right, is something Kevin cool. would do. This is something Keenan would do. Uh, and then lastly, and then we'll do the first, uh, two, two last ones. It was, is it true that, is it Scott Rogowski from Trivia HQ Trivia was your producer for a while or still Rogow- is? Scott Rogowski. I love that you made it a soft G. I love that you're always. <laughs> I, might, I might have to call him soft G from now on. That's a good well, name. I like, I, that. That. I, read that. I like that story where uh, Denzel added a vowel to, I mean, added a syllable to your last name. Denzel, Jay. I saw Denzel. Yes, I saw Denzel Washington and James Purse, and he was like, "You and your brother, you do a show. What do you, what's your name?" I'm like, "We're the Sklar brothers." I could not have said it more clearly. We're the Sklar brothers, and he looks at me and he was like, "The Sklar brothers, the Sklar brothers." I'm like, "Are you adding a syllable? Have <laughs> I been saying it wrong?" Denzel, <laughs> tell me, please. James, um, he says that you got to do it. If he right? says that you got to add it, I mean, he's Thank a national you. treasure. If he if he told me I had to commit to a certain college so he could get out of jail, I would have done that. Yeah. If, if he, he told me I had brothers, to, you go. If he it. told me I had to convert to Islam, I would do it. Done. Anyway, we got um, thinking about it. I'm already halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Same. Uh, and there's some upcoming movie that you guys play Rabbi Randy and Rabbi Jason. Am I right with that or show? So that we shot a while back ago. That was like a camp movie. It was so much fun. It was um, who did it? I, I forgot who did that. It was like this little indie film that we came out and we just they're like, just go ahead and talk for a while as these rabbis. And we could not stop trying to make the kids laugh and us laugh. And it ended up being this thing that was supposed to take a short period of time to shoot. But we kept like Ricky Gervais, like breaking every take because it was really funny. And they, they cut it together and it was funny. I don't a know lot, where it went. A lot of our stuff, it was called camp and a lot of our stuff made it into that. It was a blast. We, we've done that a bunch before. We were in a movie called Teacher of the Year, which is really funny. Is that on Netflix? That might be, but it was Keegan-Michael Key and uh, just really, really fun. And we played these guidance counselors. This is funny. We played these guidance counselors who are like the worst guidance counselors ever. Like mm-hmm. just, and we talked college to reg- prep, like college, college prep, prep and talking to regular kids and, and just giving them the worst advice ever. And I roll up to my daughter's school. She's a senior. She's like, just went through that whole thing. And her guidance counselor came out, this woman, and she was like, oh my God, I saw you guys in uh, teacher of the year. And I was like, did you like it? And she was like, mm-hmm. It's <laughs> like, oh shit! Yeah, I wasn't doing an impression. We're being the bad version of you. We're, we're being bad. The bad we're we're <laughs> shitty. Come on, man. Let me ask you this before we go to the first. Um, in my life, I'm 53, as I said. There was one time in our adult lives, not in your kids, and you get the stupid fights with your brother. It doesn't mean anything. Where my brother and I legit did not talk to each other for like a month. Wow. We got mad at each other, and we didn't talk for a month. Has anything like that ever happened to you guys where it was a fight? And it may not have been a month, but a fight where you guys took a break from each other. No. I mean, we fight. I mean, we, we definitely, definitely fight. fight. You have to fight. I feel like you have yeah. to fight. Like those people who don't fight, you're like, okay, so you're choosing not to lean into anything of what you're feeling or thinking. You're holding that in and turning it into cancer. Okay. Right. Good. Okay. Solid. So you got to get it out and certain things that frustrate. It's like we're pretty good at understanding where the where it's coming from. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, also, I don't know if you're this way with your brother. If you ever played sports with him, I mean, he was five seven, so I'm assuming. Also, you know, I know nothing about sports and don't give a shit. You've about never sports, met anyone who hates sports. I, less just, I do than know him. a little bit of UFC less because Buffer was on the network for a while, and now Bisping's on the network. So, ancillarily, I just learned a little bit about UFC, but I don't give a. You sh- could tell shit him soccer has a three point shot, and he'll go along with it. Yeah, <laughs> sounds okay, right to great. me. Sounds right. Thanks. So, James, you played sports, obviously. You so, believe it. Yeah. So the. You know how you get down on yourself? You're like, all right, I bet like no one can get down on you like you. This is the like athletes understand this. Like, and then maybe it's this way in comedy too and whatnot, but like nobody can get down on you the way you can get down on yourself. Jay, Jay and I get down on each other in sports things and like nobody can handle it. Cause we're like, so- I remember I was in I was in center field one time, Randy was pitching, and I was like, Come on, you're screwing this up. I'm riding him. I'm like so <laughs> loud. High school, ba- high school baseball. That the guy on second base from the other team turned around and was like, "Hey, man, go easy on him. What are you doing?" I'm like, like "You're cut on him some slack. Cut like, him you're some on slack. the other he's team. Trying. He yeah, said, cut him some great. slack. He's trying. The hey, guy right. from the other team. <laughs> right. So you know, and they. I mean it. So so we kind of have that, and and that gets out. But we've. 
I guess our rule, you know, how marriages are like, don't go to bed mad because mm-hmm. it's just, you don't want to let something fester and whatnot. Our thing is like, fight, get it out. And then just kind of, you got to move forward. You got to yeah, move I forward. Mean, it was only happened once in our whole lives. And we live, we lived together till we were almost 40. So what was it? Wow. What was it over? Yeah. Do you remember or no? It was over money. Of course. It was something right. stupid with money. And then it just, uh, he apologized to me. So I take that as a win. Huge <laughs> win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's, it's so funny. Like when our kids like are crazy or get into a fight, there's a moment where you're like, this is the worst thing ever. Like, I hate being in this fight. Also, like, I hate what this kid is doing and I'm right and they're wrong. There's like yeah. that attitude of it. But then in the very dark recesses of my mind, I'm like, there's going to be a reconciliation. There's going to be the moment at the end where everybody's cool. And then like, we get mm-hmm. to a better place where your brother apologizes and you consider that a win. <laughs> getting to knowing that that thing is coming and I don't even know when it's going to come. I just, in my mind, I'm like, it's going to come tomorrow. It's going to come the next year. It's going to come like in an hour or two. That moment is like the most satisfying. I can't get this itch. It's on my back. And then someone just comes in with just like the most glorious back scratcher and does it. And you're like, okay, this is what life's all about. That feeling in that moment right there is great. The fight was almost worth (laughs) the reconciliation. It's like makeup sex, basically. I know. I know. Kind of same sentiment, except you never want to talk makeup sex with your kids. Well, speak for yourself. All right. So um, (laughs) the name of the show is the SDR show, Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll Show. We're going to hit the first right now, Shannon. The first time ever I saw concert did drugs had sex. We do this with every single guest since the dawn time. We asked them the first experience with sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It should be interesting sure. to see the parallels here. Mm-hmm. We start with rock and roll. We just mean the first concert you went to on your own volition. Yeah. It doesn't have to be rock. Just a concert you went to. Oh, ours so was we'll together. You. Ours oh, was we're fucking together? rock. We were together. So we maybe you can talk about like the first cut. So first one we ever went to, uh, again, we grew up in St. Louis, Midwest, classic rock. That's kind of what we grew up on mm-hmm. at a classic rock radio station called KC 95. So funny that radio it, show was on that station. That's so K- funny. KC yeah. 95. Yeah. It's it's like, it was such a cock and balls, classic rock station, but the call letters were K S H E. Like, like so, if you didn't know, you would almost seem like that was like the Lilith fairs yeah. channel. Like That's I would funny. call Casey 95 and be like, so they're playing, yeah, tons of Sarah McLaughlin. All right, fine. They're playing the story, building a mystery. Anyway, so we <laughs> went to go see Loverboy and Joan Jett. And wow, Joan Jett great. opened up for Loverboy. It was 1982 at the arena, then the Checker Dome in St. Louis, Missouri, where the blues played. And, um, and you could argue that Joan Jett had the bigger yeah. single with I Love Rock and Roll, which mm-hmm. was the cover. But right. Loverboy had the, the the bigger catalog, and they just put out the album with like hot for t- or not uh, hot girls want, in love, hot girls in want, love. I you think. want a piece of my heart? You got to start from the start. I mean, was working, working, working for the weekend and strike zone. I mean, is we can go loving every minute of it on there. Or loving every album? minute yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. these are like me loving every minute. I think was later. I think that was later. Uh, turn me loose. Turn me loose. Utterly ridiculous. Yeah, right. I was he here to, to please. Right I'm even on, on my, knees. my knees, making oh. love to whoever, to whoever I please. By the way, that's a problematic lyric right now, right? Come on, making make love to me. Totally, but like even the cadence of that, I was like, that could have been an Alanis Morissette song. <laughs> right. I felt like you ought to know. I could right. be wrong. So we saw that concert and we freaking loved it. I mean, it was phenomenal. Like so cool to go to a concert and like everyone's smoking weed at the concert right. and like you can smell it. It's all over. We bought the concert t-shirts, like not in the concert, but like from the parking lot on the way in. Best. So they were like knockoff bootleg yeah. and, and like you're wearing it and like that was that experience was like holy shit we're out at night i mean i think we were like what we were 10 years old 11 12 two years younger than me so it was 82 i was 12 you guys were 10 maybe it was 83 that we went whatever it was like incredible so that was the first one and genesis genesis was the second one so like that's all illegal alien home by the sea second home by the sea like these are like those songs that's all was like huge at that moment mama mm-hmm. come on Mama's genesis a give one. me a mom dude uh, lights go down he's got a light underneath his face <laughs> so great by the Amazing. way one of the best strip i used to be a strip club dj one of the best of songs for a girl to strip club 
DJ to dance to is Mama. Mama, Mama. Yeah, so please, don't, please don't hurt That's me, Mama. Do you, do you know please our don't. old bit? Do you know our old bit about strip club DJs? We used no. to do. So oh, I know I did. I do. I think I do. Yes. In our so strip club DJs used yeah. to say they don't get enough credit because they are the only voice you hear in the yeah. club. So not only do they have to sort of facilitate the sexuality, but they also have to handle mundane announcements. That yeah. was it. So that's the bit you set that up. It's like they're like the, they have to. They're the bridge between business and boners. Is yeah. this guy? Yeah. I, I did it for a very long fucking time. What were you gonna say, James? I think Mama's the weirdest one I've ever heard. It's an no, amazing it's song. The weirdest the one I've ever and seen. The way builds, it's just fucking great that's yeah. so good weirdest one ever talk of the town summer of 96 las vegas totally nude last dance of the night a girl named sky who was very hot but missing teeth right here for some reason closed mm-hmm. the night with like suicide by Soundgarden. Oh, nirvana rate me would be a good one um so oh, now um someone the first drug you ever did after weed unless weed was not the first drug you ever did after weed yeah, Unless weed, weed wasn't the first drug. You know? Weed was Most the people. weed was the first. Probably mushrooms in college. Yeah, mushrooms in co- mushroom tea. I remember having mushroom tea in college. And it was, no, in different uh, times. Different I times. Having, like, like, I remember that, I did it with a friend at and it at like and made the mistake of doing it at like twelve at night, and then we just walked around because we couldn't handle the party. There were so many. It was like starting to get too much in the party, and then at like two in the morning when it really started going and. We walked down to Michigan Stadium. I don't know how we got into the stadium, but somehow we got in. We were laying down on the 50-yard line, and and then I was like, I can't handle how big this place is. It's too big. Got into the big house while you're tripping on mushrooms. Yeah, oh my God, the greatest. On mushrooms. The greatest thing I, I've ever heard of my I life. did, and I did a bunch of whippets, and I remember doing those, and like that was like crazy three-second, oh, my God, where did I just go yeah. type highs, and I'm like – and I remember just being so drunk and then doing a bunch of whippets. And that was that was crazy fun. But again, college. And you're I like, just, yeah, we're going to experiment. That. I just did my first whippets ever on this show. I tried drug every year with TJ Miller. He came in and we did whippets. It was my Isn't first time cra- in my life. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. but right. Three seconds of like, where did That's I what go? I like about it. It's over in three seconds. Like, and then lastly, over. which over. would be interesting now to see who went first. I assume it didn't happen on the same day. The first no. time you had sex. First time I had was in uh, Israel, uh, my summer of between uh, junior and senior year of high school. And Did you do uh, birthright or you just happen to go there. I mean, that's what I, I said. Would you like to make Aliyah? I said to the girl, <laughs> I said, which is in Hebrew. Would you like to go up? Uh, no, I said, oh. this is I said, this is your birthright. And then we proceeded <laughs> to let's no, make sure uh, nothing births right out of this. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't need, <laughs> I don't need a birthright out of this thing. Um, so, no, but that was the very first time. And it was, you know, I was like heading towards that. But I had a great girlfriend in Israel and she had done it before. And, you know, it was it was really uh it was actually felt like holy on some level and i'm glad it happened there and i'm glad we did it there and then that was it and jason mine was with a girlfriend too from an israel program this was when i was 20 so it oh, took wow, me a little later. later wow a few yeah, years yeah, later a later i mean there were chances and opportunities but it wasn't right before that but this was like i i wanted to be with somebody that i liked who was you know who i was with and that was back uh this was in israel again also it was beautiful wow. beautiful way yeah, to holy lean life. into the jewiness of all of us we did yeah. i mean someone's got to fight kanye back and that's what I we're trying said, to do i said why on this night do we dip twice is really what i said <laughs> and why does it taste so bitter because it represents the tears oh, why are you crying <laughs> why are we representing two thousand years of bondage um <laughs> So you guys are currently on tour. You go to super, I'm going to say it the right way, scalar.com, superscalars.com. Uh, you can follow them at Sklar Brothers on the Instagrams. Yeah. Uh, as we said, the uh, the first season of the new show, The Nosebleeds, is on UFC Fight Pass and the two podcasts that we talked about. Anything else you guys want to plug before we go around the room with our plugs? No, we're just to come see us. Like we just added a couple of dates. They're up on superscholars.com in our tour section, but we're excited. We're going to go to Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Never been there. It's right outside of Cincinnati. That's March 4th. And then, you know, uh, Phoenix at the end of the month. Then we hang out with Big J Okerson and all of our New York peeps at Moon Tower in April. Well, I'm going to be there. 
Oh, nice. We'll see you there, my man. There. He specifically said he didn't want to come on this episode when he heard it was you two. Uh, I love Big J so much. What a great dude. He's like one of our favorite people ever. And He's then uh, dude, yeah. and then we'll be in Minneapolis at Acme Comedy Company. It's been a while since we've uh, been there. I'm super excited to get back there. Uh, but it's been we've had great shows already started out a, a really great year we were in denver in january and then san diego at the american comedy company and then uh, in san francisco we did a live down people time which is just a blast that's great so just love and we love this hour this is the last thing i'll say the hour that we're doing right now we're just not sure uh, what for it's for a second i thought you're talking about this hour that we were doing this, this hour, hour that we did album. together yeah. was beautiful but uh-huh. the hour of stand-up that we're doing right now is like our favorite hour that we've ever done and we're actually not sure what we want to do with it whether it be mm-hmm. and i'll speak it out into the world who knows Maybe we write some connective tissue to it about who we are and whatnot and put it out there and do like a two-man off-Broadway show of it, kind of in the Berbiglia, Neil Brennan sort of vibe. They loved those shows that we saw that those guys did and feel like there's something in there for us. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's Ghost Comedy Central. We don't know. Like, we're not sure where it's going to go. So very happy to do it, though. We're excited to do it out of the road. So come catch us. All right, James, your plugs? Um, the James Mattern on Instagram and YouTube. Watch my uh, special, The Check Spot, where I do stand up and interact with the audience while they pay their bills because I'm an idiot. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I will be in Moontown. I think I'm the first performer of the festival. I'm opening up for Chris Stefano, uh, April 12th at the uh, Paramount. And then I'm coming back the second week and I'm going to host a bunch of shows. So it'll be a lot of fun, man. We'll see you there, man. I'm psyched. Touchdown. We'll see right, you there. Shannon, uh, we allow you to speak now at the end of the show. Your plug, <laughs> Shannon. Thank you. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at ShannonLee6982 and listen to my podcast, The Thing Is. Ding, we talk about bad dates, fighting, and ghosts. We have all sorts of interesting guests come on and they tell their own personal experiences about their worst date experience, a time they got into a street fight, and an experience with the paranormal. All right, now, guys, don't indicate. I think this one's easy, but don't indicate till all Play three up. of us lock in our answers. Do the Sklar brothers believe in ghosts? You could split the diff. You could go both mm-hmm. in one direction or the other. Shannon, we'll start with you. Okay. So I've been thinking about this a lot. <laughs> and mm. what I think is that I think that overall it's no, but if one of them was going to lean towards more of the possibility, I think it's Jason. Okay. Mm. Uh, James, your thoughts? <laughs> as as the um, the odds maker of this, I mm-hmm. think you're making a good, I, I think you're correct there, Shannon. So I think overall, no, minus 450. Um, Randy minus nine. If this was the Super Bowl, you're the Niners against the Chargers. This is three touchdowns. I don't even know what that means, but I'll say this. I go, I go hard past. Definitely knows on both of them. I'd be shocked. And let's see. The answer is guys. We don't believe in ghosts. I mean, I don't don't believe in ghosts, but I go to Burning Man a bunch. And uh, if you believe in like what happens at Burning Man, you can believe that anything is possible. Maybe a past life comes through there and maybe someone like put it this way. I my friends on uh, our 50th birthday as a gift to me, got me a psychic, like a call phone call with a psychic, which I would never do for myself. Most indulgent thing ever. And I know we're at the end of the episode. So why bring up another story? But the point is that they that I said to this woman at the very beginning, I was like, like, listen, I do not believe that anything you're going to say is like, I don't believe in this at all. However, and this is, you know, this, this Shannon, this goes to what speaks to what you were saying before. I said, however, if you do say something, I'm open-minded enough that like, I'll, I'll give you props. Like, I'm not going to shut it down just to prove my theory. I'm open-minded enough. So I mean, if a ghost wafts through here and, and makes a strong case, I'll be like, yeah, but <laughs> right now you're Right. Ralph, no, mm. I don't believe in it. Fair enough. I, that's what I was. Also, I think I'd be curious to see if we did the math on Jews that believe in ghosts. I bet you it's pretty low. That's my opinion. I could be yeah. wrong, but I think I mean, it's pretty low. Yeah, we 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 were talked on our last album, our special that we did on Stars about. Uh, it was called Hipster Ghosts. Like we're like, I can't think of anything worse than being like your house haunted by a bunch of hipster ghosts. Like you hear a sound, you come downstairs, and there's just a ghost going through your record collection. Like I follow me everywhere at I. Oh, you're gonna say something, James? I'm sorry. I just think that there was an outside chance that while. Jason was tripping balls. He saw like Bo Schembechler's ghost, and it just was like, you know what? I'm gonna leave <laughs> it open right now. He was still alive because it was '94. But I saw the future. <laughs> he was still kind of a ghost then. Let's be honest. <laughs> so, let's let's see. <laughs> After he fired Bill Frieder, no coming back. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Frieder cheated. Follow me over at I am Ralph Sutton. My other podcast on health and wellness called the Good Sugar Podcast comes out on Mondays. 
tomorrow as I'm taping this, I'm going to look at the final, uh, you know, bells and whistles with the store. We're opening on third Avenue and 69th street. The first good sugar location. Uh, it should be open. I would say within the next week or two, uh, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. We add a song of the week every week. Do we want to do a lover boy? What was Turn Me Loose? Yeah, Turn Me Loose. loose. Come on, do it. Turn Me Loose. Do it. (laughs) We'll see everybody next time on the SDR Show.